world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. It is my uh, Aldo's uh, Blue Snowball, so... Okay, <laughs> I think that would help, naming yeah. it after Aldo. Um, <laughs> it comes up first on the list that way. <laughs> it's from Aldo's describing it. I don't want to name my computers. I don't want anything on my computer named Aldo's Blue Ball. <laughs> oh, boy. So, welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We're here to... Cut that. <laughs> Third time's the charm, baby. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh no! <laughs> let's let's talk about some comics today, guys. We got some we got some some Marvel comics to read that and, and to talk about. We had a good time with them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah cool. Okay, I'm Stephen. I've got John and Aldo with me on the line, guys. You doing all right? Yeah. Every time you say John and Aldo, I always want to just like celebrity Nate, like. Couple name it and just call just, just call us Jaldo. 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 Or Aldon. Aldon sounds like a like you know people who got sued for spraying bug killer on your crops though. Aldon <laughs> sounds like a Pokemon. Hmm. Aldon. Who's that Pokemon? It's Aldon. I think it sounds well. If if you or a loved one has been subject to mesothelioma <laughs> because of Aldon treatments, <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> Oh, Aldon is evolving. <laughs> Aldon has evolved into Janaldon. <laughs> it's funny you bring up my name is not actually John, it is Joltagar Crowdigan. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. Let's no, I feel like you guys have a leg up as far as uh, improv training. So throw some throw some names at me. I want to I want to black bolt them. You you just you just hit me. Okay, well, we're going to start on hard mode. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, it's already done. No, he is inhuman. <laughs> no his, his, his inhuman name is Lockjaw. Done. Move. <laughs> he can play Lockjaw. Uh, Benadryl Cavill, Cabbage Patch. Hmm. So Black Bolt is a comic published by Marvel, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Christian Ward, Fraser Irving, and Stephanie Hans. And I believe Clayton Cowles was the letterer. Sounds correct. Sure. I can confirm that on this next page here. Yep, Clayton Cowles. Yep, Clayton Cowles. Cowles, excuse me. Why uh-huh. did I say Cowles that time? Anyway, uh, so that was the book that we read. It is a 12-issue series, and it was a... I, well, I guess we'll get into it. John, I think you have our recap. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do it all in like a... I, I just don't have Morgan Freeman's delivery like Black Bolt. Came into Shawshank. <laughs> the, the only innocent man ever to come in. Um, Black Bolt wakes up in prison. It's a inhuman prison in and he is being kept by an almost all-powerful jailer. He runs into a few fellow inmates, a uh, young alien girl called Blinky, who has a bunch of eyes on her face and kind of a. Ugh! 
off-putting kind of way. Oh, that's why she's called Blinky. Ah, <laughs> uh, that makes sense. No, it's because she looked like the Pac-Man ghost. Pac-Man again! <laughs> Pac-Attack! Yeah. Pac-Agar, uh, Managar. The... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start, you keep wanting to do it. Uh, the, there's another um, figure, the Master of Metal, a uh, scroll pirate fighter chick, and uh, 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 the absorbing man of, of all baddies to end up there. Um, he tries to confront the jailer because he's like, well, I'm Black Bolt, I'm just going to whisper at him and he's going to die. And his powers are useless. And so he and his fellow inmates um, are being killed repeatedly and their pain transfers to the jailer as a way to make him stronger. They plan an escape. It goes poorly. Um, they Then we get an issue of Black Bolt and the Absorbing Man chained back to back and we get the Absorbing Man's backstory, which I, I just, I did not give two craps about the Absorbing Man before this. And now I'm like, Creel's, Creel's a good dude. Creel's a good dude, everybody. Like, it wasn't his fault. It was just a real bad situation. His whole life, his whole life was just a real mess. So, of the many things this book did, it made me care about the Absorbing Man. So that's pretty cool that it, like, could do that. Um, they are rescued by Lockjaw. Lockjaw gets Black Bolt out of there. And then he realizes he has to go back. He has to go and save his prisoners. He doesn't want them, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. He doesn't want them to have to go through that. So they are able to uh, defeat the Jailer um, once they get their powers back. Um, Black Bolt is able to put up a shield around himself and um, also grant the same um, abilities to his friends. And Creel decide, Crusher Creel decides he's going to... Um, you know, sacrifice for the team. And so Black Bolt shouts at him, he absorbs it, and he goes after the uh, jailer and then just, bam, um, takes him out and it bursts. And they see that, you know, the person they were fighting, is that what happened right then? The person they were fighting, I don't think at that point they realized that there was like man behind the curtain kind of deal where um, it's like a psychic entity. Oh yeah, that, that happens a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier. Okay, I just yeah. I was like, oh, what's going on? Um, Black Bolt with Lockjaw and uh, Blinky come back to Earth. They um, drop off another fellow inmate in a in a really odd issue, issue seven, um, with some weird kind of uh, collage art choices. I didn't care for that much. Um, but this, you know, shows Black Bolt being, you know, still noble and still wanting to do the right thing, even if it inconveniences him. And he knows he has to get back as soon as possible to kind of reclaim his throne. Um, that's kind of the first story. Well, we read 12 issues um, and they're broken up, I think, in prison and then back on Earth. He gets back to Earth and has to deal with the fact that he's been gone, that everything's in an upheaval uh, with the Inhumans. He, um, <clears throat> well, I mean, he, he barely deals with that <laughs> when he lands. Yeah, I think it's a little generous to say he deals with this. <laughs> he finds out that it happens and says, Good luck with that, and then goes off to visit Mary. Yeah, yeah, he's like, Still gotta, still gotta deal with what's at hand. Um, deals with that. Um, Blinky is kidnapped by Lash, one of the new humans. 
uh, people who were exposed to the Terrigen Mist and not super happy about that. And um, um, while that's going on, Blinky, it turns out, has been um, taken over by the Jailer. Um, uh, psychically, it was uh, kind of hitching a ride and then took over her body and is fighting everyone. And um, Mary's in the fight, and um, Lockjaw takes Mary back to Creel's grave, and turns out he was alive. The whole, uh, or came back to life. Uh, enough of him survived in his ball and chain that he was able to come back. And I thought that was kind of like, well, I'm happy he's not really dead, but also, eh. yeah. I mean, it's not like, like we just spent like an issue and a half grieving the death of a character no who redeemed himself in his last moments. Yeah, it's like you you made me care about this character. You killed him, and it was like a nice like arc, and then you just bring him right back. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, and then they're able to. Um, Black Bolt, who has relied on no one and wanted help from nobody his whole life, is uh, making a change. And um, Blinky, stuck in uh, the astral plane, um, is is called, um, as well as Black Bolt's son, which I forget what his son's name is, but it seems to he seems to have like multiple man powers. Is that accurate? Uh, his name is Daddy Gar Issues Gun. There, yep. Okay. So Dadigar Issues Gun is able to help out his dad with uh, Blinkigan. Actually, they named her in the last in the last uh, letters column. Let's see. Blinky's real name is Blinkigar Blunktigan. <laughs> I, I I took a screen Clinton grab Cowles. of that. I wanted to Clinton I wanted to make sure Cowles. you mentioned that. That was so great. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. What? Wait. What? Did I miss this? The last letters column. Issue 12, Clayton Cowles, the letterer, is like, in case you're wondering, Blinky's real name is Blinkagar Blunktigan. Oh my gosh. It's an alien it's text a... at the end of issue number one. Yeah. I did not even pick up on that. I did not. Uh, I don't so think funny. I read. I, I think I stopped reading the letters columns, like, after the sixth issue. Solid, solid joke. Um, but there was, you know, when, when he gets back to Earth, there's a nice uh, funeral scene for um, the Absorbing Man where, you know, he gets Captain America to speak by, you know, Blinky can show everyone what's been going on and like why has Black Bolt been gone this is why and like psychically just tells them the story and brings them up to speed I thought that was a convenient way because there's so much time in stories generally where it's like no if only everyone understood what was really happening then they wouldn't fight and so we just skipped all of that garbage and um, got to have more Titania so there you go I really enjoyed this Uh, what did you guys think? Same I really enjoyed it as well Uh, I, I do think that um, some of the... I don't know if this is the case, because I actually didn't follow the publication history of this book, and considering how uh, Saladin Ahmed is doing at Marvel, I feel like he is uh, like not the type to get pigeonholed into this, but this kind of has the hallmarks of a book that they thought was going to go longer than it wound up going, because the ending felt a little bit rushed, and some things like uh, the Absorbing Man coming back and uh, uh, Medusa just like showing up on the second to last page. A lot of that felt really convenient, you know? But yeah, as, as a, like a reading experience, I thought the writing was pretty solid. Uh, the art, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about the art. Uh, overall, very positive though. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Aldo? Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um... I don't want to say I came in expecting it to be bad because I absolutely did not. Uh, but it did come in with zero expectations. I kind of came in real neutral to the book. And boy, did it kind of blow up my expectations. Um, I think the writing is really solid. I think specifically Crusher 
Creel is is a really good character in here. Yeah, he's, he's elevated way above. I, so I also don't know a lot of the history of of Crusher Creel, so I wasn't familiar that he had like thrown down with Thor and some other like major baddies. I always assumed he was just kind of sealess ground level villain that maybe gets punched in the face every once in a while by Daredevil and Punisher. Um, yeah, like the he's part of the Wrecking Crew or occasionally yeah. part of the Wrecking Crew, and they're they're somebody that uh, the Runaways fight. So right there, you know they're C list because like Runaways, like they fight the weird scraps of of villains. So yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so he's, I, I mean, as a character in this book, he's been really elevated. I don't know if that continues outside of this book, but, but for what it is, for what this book does give me of Crusher Creel, I, I really do appreciate that. I have read four books with the Absorbing Man in them in any real capacity. Uh, three of them we have read on the podcast. So there's this, there was Secret Wars. There was the one story arc of Captain Marvel where Captain Marvel and Captain America are teaming up and they're fighting the Absorbing Man at the very beginning. And she, like, blinds him with her cape. And that's how uh, they take him down. And then he features really prominently in, I think it's either Earth-X or Paradise-X. Or Universe-X, excuse me. I don't remember which one. I think it's Earth-X. And he does the same thing in that book. I won't get into it too much because I think at some point we're going to have to read that for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he sacrifices himself to save the day. And so I kind of figured between Earth X and this book that that's kind of his thing is like, he's the bad guy, but secretly deep down, he has the heart of gold. Uh, and I think I mentioned when we were reading Secret Wars, I kind of had an attachment to the character and it's because of, uh, Earth X, which we had the trade paperback of when I was a kid and anything that I had when I was a kid, it's automatically a good comic. Right? So... Mm. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, we read Fatal Attractions. We know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, I think... I think there are a lot of criticisms that I can level against this story. And in the interest of making a conversation, I will. Because overall, <laughs> I'm very, very positive on it. Uh, yeah. But I want to, so- like, leave with some of these things, like... Okay, but hold on. I, I wasn't done. Hold on. I was praising Crusher Creel. Crusher Creel, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the art is also really fantastic. And really good. It's really fantastic. Uh, I like how it switches between artists for a couple issues, if you, if I remember correctly. And yeah, I think, the, I think the writing overall is solid, but I will have to agree with what Steven was saying earlier. I think parts of the second half uh, do feel rushed and a little convenient, and uh, which is kind of odd because it does take its sweet time. Like we dedicate a whole issue to the death of Crusher Creel, um, but then like when he comes back, it's just real bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Um, but it is nice to see Titania again be like a real character. Yep. Yep, pretty good. Uh, so about the writing, though, uh, what I was going to say uh, before I was so rudely re-interrupted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you pass the baton to me, sir? <laughs> Wait, we have a baton? I mean, I do. Yeah, I have mine right here. Yeah, my, I'll just overnight this baton up, to uh, you so you can talk. <laughs> no, I was going to say, mine lights up green when it's Aldo's turn to talk and red when it's uh, all of Steven's turn to talk. What what color does it light up when when it's time for you to talk? Blue. Da bu di da bu da. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, 
challenge of, like, the challenge, I think, with this story is to tell a compelling story where the main character cannot talk, right? Yeah. And even when he can, there are, like, a couple issues there before he gets his power back. He could talk, but he doesn't. He's he's king again. He's back on Earth. He's still not talking, even though he can. Because he's like, this is who I am. I don't talk, and I have a psychic here who's going to, you know, say everything for me anyway. No, it's... He lost his voice. Like, he didn't just lose the power. He lost his voice. That's why he couldn't talk. Oh, it was like space laryngitis on top of his powers being gone? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a Wham 2 knockout. Real plot convenience. Just, he lost his voice like his voice, you know? Uh, well, maybe we're interpreting that different. Because I interpreted that as, like, he lost his voice because he lost his power. Not, like, uh-huh. I choose not to talk. Well, okay. But there were, like, in the issues preceding that, a couple of opportunities where, where Black Bolt could speak. And I think the thing, like, my biggest criticism with the writing, other than the fact that parts of it were kind of rushed, is the fact that Black Bolt was never the most interesting character. Yeah, uh, I would, I would, like... This should have been an Absorbing Man series, honestly. This was a Batman book. (laughs) Batman is consistently the least interesting character in his stories. (laughs) He does have the most interesting rogues gallery. He does. That's, That's why. Yeah, yeah. I think I do agree with with you. I th- I think it, I think this was as much a, a Crusher story as it was a Black Bolt story because Black Bolt doesn't really get a moment where he like redeems himself. Like he doesn't really become more. It's kind of insinuated that maybe he does learn a lesson in humility and like understanding mm-hmm. how like the lower, poorer, not kingly half lives. Right. But yeah. but yeah. we don't really see anything come out of that. At least not here. No, this is the this is the catalyst. This is the impetus to make the change, but he doesn't make the change yet. That's mm-hmm. that's the next Inhuman series, right? Hopefully, sure. Yeah, Pro- you know, maybe <laughs> progress happens slowly. Rome wasn't torn down in a day. <laughs> but yeah, about the art. Oh my gosh, it was it was so good. Christian Ward, I get the impression he's not the most like. And this is me kind of developing my own writing or my own art vocabulary because I'm not like formally trained in art and so I don't know the right words to use. He's not super... I don't think he's the best technically when it comes to like human faces and stuff. I always I... found... You're going to disagree with me? No, no. I thought you were going to say he's he's not Marvel House style. <laughs> I thought that's what you were trying to say. Well, I mean, he's not, but that's not the point that I was going to make. Oh, I'll don't um, drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he I, I don't think he has the best grasp of, like, facial expressions or whatever. Um, but I was constantly just wowed by the technical side of his actual, like, structuring the comics page and structuring yes. the action that stuff was so good like i'm trying to remember yeah. which issue it was it was one of the earlier issues where uh oh i just happened to turn to it it's it's issue three page 13 they come across that giant monster baby thing and Whoa. the the monster baby slams its fist down and the entire panel bows with the uh, force of the impact and on the page yeah. previous, the Metal Master rips open the metal door, and the metal door happens to, like, line up with the edges of the panel, and the edges of the panel, like, warp out, and it's a very basic effect. Like, I could do something like that on my drawing app, but just the way that it's employed and the way that it's 
uh, used to like highlight the action on the scene. I thought it was masterful. Um, and I also love the way he draws like big Kirby style monsters. Like he was pretty darn good. I liked this guy. That yeah, that baby monster is very Kirby esque. Those eyes. Oh yeah. yeah. I actually yeah. think it might be a reference to another Kirby monster. I'm not positive about that, but I kind of got that impression. No, I would agree. I, I think the coloring is well done too. But like the biggest thing, I think the the you know maybe the facial expressions are a little lacking. The anatomy seems all right though. Um, mm-hmm. Good poses from all the characters, but it it's it's not poorly done. No. It's just not the very best, but it's not distracting. No. You know, it's not like, I could get behind this, but this one character, like, it's not like Thor's, like, hurt face, you know, in the, <laughs> in the other one. I mean, that was fun. I enjoyed that, you know, but it was, like, yeah, some of the, like, this whole panel, if you, on the same comic, you go to page 20 in the app. Mm-hmm. I was I was just on that page before you were you even mentioned when, it. When Black Bolt is using his powers, he just says, die. It... <laughs> the whole panel is like a 3D cube, and he, and he blasts him out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's page 19. Yeah. There's there's also some really good stuff with uh, not the jailer. Who's his lackey? Um, spider. 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 There's some really good stuff with Spider. I I really like when Crusher absorbs the element from his little cube thing. Uh, that looks real interesting. But also <laughs> the first time we see Spider when he like phases through that weird wall. Like the honeycomb wall thing, and it just kind of like I don't know melts through it, Terminator Two yeah. style. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed in uh, issue six when they finally defeat the jailer. Just this great page of just like this like color splash. So the absorbing man is like gone in for the killing blow, and it's just like. You know, the colors just, like, go everywhere. It looks like they were just, like, dripped on canvas. I know this is, like, probably all digital. I think I'm almost certain it is. Oh, yeah, same. It's just, it's just nuts. It just looks like they just, you know, broke apart every color that would have been used in this panel and mixed them and and swirled them around. It's just really cool, kind of, like, you know, showing the full effect of the powers in use here. And, uh, And you know, you know what, though? It's also still... As, as chaotic as the whole image is. Uh, I, I mean, are we looking at the same page? Because I'm looking at page 17 in issue yeah. 6. It, yeah. It's like Black Bolt is shielding Blinky from a Jackson Pollock painting, right? I was, yeah, I was, yes. was going to say, as chaotic and hectic as it is, it's still readable. It's yeah. surprisingly oh, yeah. readable. And that's that yeah. takes a lot of skill. Yeah. I, I know you guys have said what you said about his faces. I, I would disagree on that front. but Okay. But I think we can all agree that, like, his technical work and color and use of color is just off the walls. B a n a a bananas. Oh, it's so good! <laughs> it's so good. That's that's the stuff I read comics for. Actually, I lied. I read comics for action, but this is the <laughs> stuff that I tell people I read comics for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and can we talk about the jailer? Yeah, what about the jailer? Yeah, super spooky. <laughs> Like, first of all, yeah, great character design. Like, the, the cloth over the face uh, that he's got going on, that, that look is really good. And then you get that last page reveal. Uh, it, it's the page just it's just after the one that John was just talking about, where, like, the jailer is just, like, a bunch of, of pieces floating in jars. Like, he's a creepy dude. Yeah. 
And I like how anytime he spoke, it was like a demand shouted and like broke through the panels and it was a different, it, you know, wasn't in a uh, speech bubble or anything. It was just, no, repent in silence, shut up. Like it was just these like angry demands coming. Um, yeah, really interesting. And I, I'm still just like, they made me care about Absorbing Man. It's just uh, <laughs> this comic, this comic, like I really, I preferred the first six issues. To the second six? Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're probably like going to rank this as two. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk to you guys about that. This kind of feels like two different stories. I thought it was one just based on what I read. Same. But I mean, same. But like once that we actually got into it, it's like the first six issues, you've got the jailbreak arc. And the second six issues are the homecoming arc. And they are two different arcs. And I mean, yes, one's obviously the sequel to the other and building off of the other. But they feel like they actually are two different stories and i i kind of yeah. want to rank them as two i don't yeah. know what you guys if, think. if you guys are up for it yeah. we can rank them as two um, that's what i would prefer yeah. to do i'm not done talking about them yet okay but. so so i guess <laughs> in that question do we want to segment how we talk about them then do we want to focus on an arc or uh, a book yeah we've been talking mostly i think about the first six issues yeah also okay so <laughs> going into this I knew nothing about this book. Like I said, I entered it pretty neutral with the exception of Steven's opinion of Saladin Ahmed. Uh, but if you had if you had told me this was like a jail breakout story, <laughs> I probably would have I probably would have still read it. Um because I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the book to start out with, with Blackpool in like a psychic vampire prison. And boy, that was really good. I mean, there's some really interesting concepts there. Like like John mentioned at the beginning where the jailer feeds on their pain. And it's not uh-huh. just it's not just pain, right? Like he makes them emotionally suffer. At one point, yeah, he yes. like throws psychic projections of their loved ones guilting them. Yeah. And and the whole thing about killing them so they come back and then they can experience that again. Like that's the stuff. That's some really that's some pretty dark stuff. And I they did it real well. Yeah, agreed. Also, Lockjaw is just the best boy. Lockjaw is such oh, a man. great character. I love Lockjaw. I feel bad because he's like totally a dog, but really he's not. He's a person. But like everyone treats him. I feel like because he's an inhuman, right? So he was like a person until one day he woke up and was like, whoop, Terrigimus, turned me into a dog. Well, we get a little bit of Lockjaw's origin. I don't remember if that was, I think that was issue like five or six. I think it was in the first half, where, uh, like, we see Lockjaw, like, as a puppy, you know? And we see Lockjaw's mom. Or am I misremembering that? No, that's that's accurate. Yeah, so I think Lockjaw was always a dog. Like, he wasn't just, like, an inhuman that got Terrigen misted. I think he was a dog who got Terrigen misted and became the best boy. The, the very best boy, but I still think he was a person. I'm going to look it up. You guys <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. Uh, regardless, um... Lockjaw comes off like uh, it, it's funny that he doesn't obviously have like a character arc or anything, but the 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 whole thing that dogs are like everybody gets emotional over dogs because dogs are so loyal. Lockjaw gets that right. Lockjaw yeah. is yeah. is young Blackagar's only friend because he has to be isolated because his voice is so destructive. Thanks, and... Dogagar. <laughs> Bestagar, boy, a man. <laughs> <laughs> Good agar, boy. <laughs> you gone. But yeah, just like you get those little moments when he's like, woof, just to be like supportive and grrr, just to be <laughs> angry with Black Bolt. It's so good. I love Lockjaw 
Every time Lockjaw shows up, I get so excited. I felt like it was a bit of a cheap shot to, like, get Lockjaw hurt for, like, a real a emotional bit, beat. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know that they fully earned it, but I'm not... It does. It's not, like, egregious. It just felt like... A, Considering everything this book has done right, that was the only thing, at least in this first six issues, that felt cheap. Yeah. I was like, no. I don't know. Maybe it's because I just watched, like, John Wick this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'll do it to you. (laughs) So help me if you hurt Lockjaw. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I will kill all of Power Pack. I don't even care. I will make John Wick's Um, Marvel canon so fast, you won't even understand. (laughs) This is this is from the Wikipedia. He is a bulldog. <laughs> he is a bulldog. Okay. But his fur over his lip lo- sometimes looks like it's a mustache. And it was like, is that a nod to like when he was a dude and like just kind of a <laughs> killer mustache? This is what it says in the Wikipedia. At one point, Quicksilver and the Thing witnessed what he appeared to be Lockjaw, apparently a sentient being once mutated by Terrigen Mists, speaking to them. This convinces Quicksilver not to expose his daughter Luna to the Mists. However, Lockjaw later bought brought Quicksilver to Washington, D.C. in search of X-Factor, and Quicksilver there stated that Lockjaw's sentience was actually a hoax perpetuated on the thing by Karnak and Gorgon. So maybe the hoax worked on me, too. And I <laughs> Lockjaw used to be a dude, and I felt really bummed out, because I was like, poor guy, he was like a dude, and now he's just like, you know, the royal family's dog. But he seems like super happy all the time, and he's really good at teleporting, like, like you know, the nick of time, so. Um, oh, man. But yeah. Yeah. He's, the, he's the dog from John Carter. Did you guys watch John Carter? Did you guys see that? No. I was sad that it didn't Oh, get... I did, but I immediately bleached it out of my memory. Yeah, because, you know, it got terrible promotion. I was and, not, uh, not a fan. It just didn't come together. Right now, I, over I you. thought it was good, but <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Lockjaw turns up in the second arc of Ms. Marvel, I think, and it's it's so good. Kamala it's Khan? so good. Ms. Marvel? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Oh, man. Um, so can I talk about heavy themes of, of the first six issues? Yeah, sure. After I after I just, as a programming note, we should make a ranking of all the pets of the Marvel Universe at some point. Okay, move on. I mean, it's... it's <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Lockjaw is clearly... But the, the raptor? Story. The raptor... Uh, lace? Old Lace? Old Lace? Old, Old lace, lace is up there. Who uh, wins? Pizza Dog? Who wins between Lockjaw and Pizza Dog? Well, Pizza Dog. Because he's in Hawkeye. Oh, but, okay, but Lockjaw can teleport. But Pizza Dog, uh, Pizza solves, Dog crimes. solves the crime. I mean, yeah. did he though? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. I don't remember. <laughs> that anyway, sounds exciting. Uh, Can't remember though. <laughs> there is it's issue at eleven. Some point, he did it without powers too. At some point, we are going to have to read. I think the Pet Avengers. Yep. Which is a thing that exists. Of I course. Don't know that it's, I don't know that it's good. Um, I know it, it's the Thunder Frog uh, gets together a bunch of superpowered pet type critters. Teen uh, Titans Go copied this. <laughs> they I, well, I, to be fair, I think Sidekicks getting together to uh, yeah, but it's all the like the, it's all like the pet Sidekicks plus a boombox and a bird ring. Yeah, yeah, I've actually I think I've seen that episode. <laughs> I like you know what I like Teen Titans. I love Teen Titans. I apologize. It's so dang funny. People who loved the original show are like butthurt about it, and it's like you get both. I hated the I hated Teen Titans Go when it started because I was such a big fan of the original. Uh, but the moment I sat down and watched it, and I was like, I have to accept this as a different thing. I loved it. I love 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 Teen Titans Go. Well, like the bird the 
the burgers versus burritos thing like that's an early episode like that's that's enough to like sell people on it i think that's just it's hilarious you know there's there's a, there's like the first episode the first clip i saw was like kid flash wanted to join the team or something and robin was feeling really down because he was so much better because he actually has superpowers and they decide to have a race and right before they say go, Robin just hits him in the shins with his stick and wins the race because Kid Flash is hurt. It was just such a cheap shot. <laughs> I'm not like, going to okay. lie. That the, the, the clip that sold me on the show was the meat sweats clip where they, oh. where they eat so much meat and they go to fight somebody. <laughs> and Cyborg is absolutely bulging out of his armor. <laughs> They're all sweaty and fat and it's so relatable. <laughs> Yeah. You ever gone to a Brazilian like meat barbecue thing place like Rodizio's? No, if you don't come out of there with meat sweats, you're you're not getting your money's worth. <laughs> oh man, no, I'm like I feel bad that like I'm the last guy who's like, what you want to turn it over to Red right now? I'm still like, bring keep it, bring it up. I'm holding up for the good stuff. They got they got a garlic sirloin that's gonna make its way over here in a minute. <laughs> a- anyways. Uh, lockjaw something something. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, this is one. like the this is like the fourth or fifth time that we've had the Teen Titans Go rant on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it comes up so much. It's a good show, and people dismiss it so quickly. S- Steven, you were talking about the emotional arcs of the first six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. So I'm going to get back to that if that's okay. <laughs> I mean, no, but go ahead. We're not a Teen Titans podcast. <laughs> yeah. Teen Titans Go Cast. Ooh, somebody copyright that. <laughs> I, I would be baffled. I would be completely flabbergasted if that didn't already exist. Um, anyway, so I think uh, we're to complete tonal change here. Earlier this year, I read a book called Just Mercy. Uh, Just Mercy was turned into a movie with uh, my uh, third boyfriend, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just Mercy is a book, it's it's part memoir about, uh, I think the guy's name is Brian Adamson. He is a uh, defense lawyer working out of Alabama, I think. And his entire like practice is representing people on death row. And he talks a lot about... Um, the, the racial component of America's prison systems. He talks a lot about the uh, unreliability of the death penalty, how, you know, we sentence people to death on actually fairly flimsy evidence and that it is actually more expensive to execute people than it is to keep them in prison for life. And, like, he, he advocates for the rights of people who are incarcerated in a way that I don't hear very many people doing. And I really appreciated because it is like, you know, one of the lines that he made, he writes in the book that, that really stuck with me is like, we don't think people have the, like, or or how does it go? It's something like we don't sentence people to be raped if they commit rape. And we don't sentence people to be robbed if they commit robberies. So why do we sentence people to die if they die? And aren't, like, just a lot... If they kill, Or or if they kill, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You died, you're gonna die again. (laughs) That's a a story to a zombie book. Anyways, continue before we take this off track any further. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, it, it happens in this podcast. It's fine. And, and so it's like, it gets me thinking a lot about, you know, the rights of prisoners. And that takes me down this rabbit hole, which, you know, trying to be a good citizen of the world, you find out that there are actually a lot of people out there who are concerned about the well-being of prisoners. A lot of them just don't happen to be white like, it's another one of those areas where, you know, me with my white privilege blinders don't realize the impact that prisons have on people and how important it is to humanize prisoners because they make, you know, they are still people at the end of the day. They made mistakes. Sometimes they made horrible mistakes. But just because they did a bad thing doesn't mean that we as society need to think of them as lesser or, or different or uh, worse, you know? And I feel like... Uh, Saladin Ahmed is bringing that same sort of energy to this book. I think that's why he goes to such great lengths to make you sympathize with Crusher Creel. Uh, the Absorbing Man's been a villain forever. You know, we read about him in Secret Wars and he was a big deal then. Uh, and it's important to Ahmed and I think... I mean, maybe I'm projecting too much on him here, but I don't think so because I do follow him on Twitter and so I know some of his opinions on these related topics... I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, sympathy for inmates was part of the express purpose. Like, Black Bolt doesn't have much of a story arc in the first six issues because he doesn't get to do most of the talking. But what he does get is this, you know, understanding that just because he is king doesn't mean that he... Like, that doesn't let him get off with uh, dismissing the plight of people who are imprisoned. Like, he doesn't understand the plight of prisoners in his own prison system. Like, he's in an inhuman prison. And I think that's especially amplified by the fact that all of the problems that are being caused that he's going through are a result of the jailer, who is actually himself a prisoner who was ill-treated and, like, turned into a monster as a result of being in this prison. So, like, the book isn't explicitly about prison reform, but it kind of is... And I dug it. Yeah, I, I think that would have been interesting if they had to dig into that because there's a big argument that the United States specifically doesn't get prisons. We have a prison system and it's the biggest in the world and it has like the largest amount of inmates per capita than any other place. And the problem is we toss people in there, ruin their lives, kick them back out, and then, well, wait for them to come back. Whereas a lot of other mm -hmm. developed countries actually try to do the reform part of like a prison reform system and mm -hmm. uh and that's something that i wish maybe would have gotten touched on a little bit but More? like it's fine in, in here in this book yeah yeah okay because it doesn't really get to i mean yes we do get a lot of humanization stuff and i think it's i think it's we we get like this really good kind of humbling of black bolt not just in that he understands them now as people because a lot of his inner dialogue is or is it his inner dialogue or is it just narrator dialogue I think it's his inner dialogue. That's the way it yeah. read to me. Well, he speaks in the third person, so Black Garbolton is now weirder <laughs> than I thought. <laughs> okay, so it's probably just narrator dialogue. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm looking at it again. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember him saying like, I. Yeah, I, 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 I. That's kind of my new head canon. Is uh, he speaks in the third person? Um. Any, anyway, so a lot of a lot of the dialogue that's you know meant to represent his inner thoughts. Is him thinking about these people as like criminals and thieves and murderers, 
And he's not that. And they tell him, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the one who did the killing or you ordered people to kill. Like, that blood is on your hands. And he's very adamant about, like, that's, no, that doesn't, that's not the same thing. I am a king. And while we don't exactly get to revisit that topic as maybe a source of guilt or or maybe acceptance of it, um, it, it is kind of nice to see him not see them as just that. I think thematically, and, and maybe it's because the book is doing quite a few things. Uh, we're dealing with him being an absentee father. We're dealing with him being a king. We're dealing yeah. with a prison breakout and humanizing the, the characters in that. Uh, we're dealing with a vampire prisoner who said, screw the prison, I'll be the prison. Uh, <laughs> so like, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here, but I wish they would have really kind of stuck a little bit closer to that theme. I really wish he would have you know, come to terms with, you know, I am a king and I have, and there is blood on my hands and I may not have spilled that blood directly, but that is, that doesn't take away the blame or the responsibility off of me. Um, Cause I think that would have been a, a really interesting to explore in the second book is him coming to terms with, with his status as a father, as a, as a, not a murderer, but like somebody who, who essentially could be one, that type of thing. And we don't really get that. It doesn't really pull through. I like to imagine that in whatever series he's in after this, like maybe that comes into play a little bit more. But in the book that we're reading that we got, that doesn't really get explored much further. Yeah. You know, um, we would have got that. But again, he had to go see Mary. So, <laughs> you know, clearly that was the the big issue. But that stuff is the best part of the second yeah. arc. Uh, like the, which is again, like, I feel like this should have just been a Crusher Creel series, right? But, um, yeah. Crusher Creel and Black Bolt, Crusher Gar Creel again. That should have been the name of this book. <laughs> and oh, we haven't even said that. He absorb. he makes fun of him. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your name is Black Agar. Oh my gosh, yes. Your name is Black Bolt. <laughs> it's like finally someone gets it. <laughs> That's the moment. That's the moment I became a uh, Crush Creel fan mm-hmm. and signed up for the Crush Club. Uh, <laughs> set them my down payment of nine ninety nine plus tax. Oh, <laughs> best, best Patreon you can support is the Creel Club. <laughs> is that is that a Patreon or is it like a contribution to a bail bond? <laughs> oh, Steven. That's the, the same. That the guy says that he's like in and out of jail all the time. And again, it's like that. You're getting real creel about this. Crusher ain't gonna stand for this. You are not a crushaholic. You are not. <laughs> You're not a real creel again, are you? Nope. Isn't that a Dragon Ball character? <laughs> no. no, it's a pa- it's a patron of the Crushagar Creeligan. Uh, you know. Support team. Uh, uh, so, is there anything else we want to say about the first half before we move on to the second? I don't think so. I, I like I I got my rant about uh, the the prison system in there, so I think I did good. Yeah, you should listen to the System of a Down. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> actually, actually, they do have a song that is that is just jail facts. Really? Like like they do big guitar riffs like don't 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 don't. And then he's like, the United States has more, more prisoners per state capita than any other place in the world. Dun, 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 dun. That, that is the whole song. As is the problem with many things in the country, it's they're run like businesses, some of them. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. And, it's, and, you know, business is good when there are prisoners, and so it's not in their interest to, you know, 
have justice be served every time. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, can I can I say something about the second story arc or uh, the art in the second half that, that yes. might actually be uh, surprising? Sure. I kind of dug the Fraser Irving issue. What? Like, I oh. liked him. I yes. liked his artwork in that issue. Esteban. Yeah, like, I, I pretty, like, frequently said this was issue seven. I don't, I don't, I don't tend to dig Fraser Irving, mainly because I really don't like the way he draws faces. I really don't. Like, there's something about the way he draws faces that makes it seem like they're Xeroxed onto the rest of the body. Uh, but we don't get a whole lot of Fraser Irving faces in this, except with Blinky, whose face is kind of purposely a little off-putting. Um, but we get a whole lot of great designs. We get a whole lot of, like, big space battles, uh, some surreal sort of imagery in Black Bolt's dreams. And I dug it. Like, if Fraser Irving just drew books like this all the time, I would be very, very happy with, with what he does. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of dug it. I did not. <laughs> wow. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but nope. <laughs> I, uh, if we're talking about the art we don't like, I didn't like the art at the, eight of, at the end of issue eight. That really took me out of the experience for a moment. Jeez. The end of issue eight? Yeah. They had like that, uh, what was this? this thing they call oh, it? Like yeah. a legacy it was, primer? uh, Jorge, yeah. Jorge, Coelho? Co- uh, Coelho? Yeah. It felt like a bad John Romita Jr., Attempt. Oh yeah, that little that little like origin story explainer thing. Yeah, it took me so out of the book. I I thought I had I thought like that had been the whole issue. Like I thought those four pages were like the whole issue, and I was just like, like I had to like go back and like restart from the beginning and just be like, how did I get here? Um, granted, that's my fault for not paying attention, but that (laughs) that art took like a one eighty, and I don't want to say it's bad. It's very stylized. It is not my jam. I could I could see it with uh, some types of books, honestly. Um, I honestly I didn't even think we were going to mention that little story because I didn't think it mattered. Um, <laughs> hey, it made Aldo mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Aldo. I acknowledge your feelings. Thank you are you. seen. There you go. So, um, and HR could have had a field day with you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just but, say I'm going to delete this draft to Chuck Sprightly. <laughs> <laughs> won't, oh, won't hear about this today. <laughs> I avoided my Karen moment. Um, <laughs> Steven, you can't say that. That's their word, not our word. <laughs> Do you have your hair in like a bob and like real bad highlights? Are you on your cell phone? Talking about people of color in your neighborhood? Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. No, I live in Bountiful, Utah. There are, like, no people of color in my neighborhood. That makes it worse. Someone with a tan walks by and you're like... Culture? Anyways. You miss culture. Someone... Someone in my neighborhood is making something other than a casserole. They must be one of the brownie people we have to get out. Dude, I love brownies. No, not what I meant. I know what you said, though. I'm sticking with that. 
So hey, can we talk about what a what a what a weird uh, clickbait title the image for Black Bolt number nine is? Yeah, because <laughs> I was expecting hands to be thrown between Black Bolt and Captain America, and instead I got a very emotional issue about the death and funeral of Crusher Creel. I mean, that's good. The... I, I I I guess um, the covers. <laughs> I enjoy. I have enjoyed all the covers. That's not the segue I was doing, but okay. <laughs> no, that is to- Aldo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Aldo's point is totally well taken. Like it is very like, oh, they're gonna fight because you see Black Bolt's reflection in Captain America's shield, and Cap has a look on his face like, oh, I'm gonna mess you up. And then it turns out, eh, okay, I'll be the good guy. Yeah, actually, Captain America's appearance in this story felt a little off to me. Like, I don't know. Uh, I'm not the the world's biggest uh, Crusher Creelologist, but I don't know that I buy that he was one of the villains who would, like, look up to Captain America. Because that is a thing. I just don't know that I believe it from Crusher. I I don't know. Crusher's like a New York kid. Like, it seems like, maybe not as an adult, but I think definitely in that vein of, like, every kid from New York in the Marvel world looks up to Captain America because he's a New Yorker. Hmm. At least that's, that's, that's the way I read it. Like, it's not that he st- still looks up to him, but it's like one of those things where, like, I think everybody did. And I think that seems like a conversation he would have had with Mary. And it's like, you know, I I punched Captain America's shield and I absorbed his shield's element. Boy, I can't believe I looked up to that up to that guy when I was a kid. Like, that's the type of um, conversation he, I imagine. Did he? Is there an issue where he absorbs the metal of Thor's hammer? But because he does that, Thor can like move him around and command him. Like, <laughs> I don't know, thing? but I want that. <laughs> I thought that was a thing. That seems like it could be a thing, honestly. I just think like, he's like, "Haha, I'm gonna be as strong as your hammer." And then he's then Thor counters back, "Haha, you are my hammer. Come here." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I just, I just imagine him doing that like halfway through the air, and like he like reaches out to like call his hammer. But instead, it's Crusher Creel, and he grabs him by the leg and uses him to like hurt other people. <laughs> Just swinging Crusher Creel, who since he's me order, was probably light yeah. as air to Thor at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Wait, if Crusher Creel is me order, can he lift himself? Whoa! Ooh, he's stuck on the ground. Can't do one push up. Not worthy of his own skin. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think, okay, I think my favorite thing about our conversation right now is actually the fact that we are not using the, the supervillain names, but we're just calling them Crusher and Mary. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, honestly. Well, it's maybe as if they've been that. humanized and they've been given names. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost them. as if that was the point. To be fair, I, I think even with what limited knowledge I had of Titania, I th- think, I no, no, I don't think I would have referred to her as Mary. I think I totally would have referred to her as Titania. Never mind. Yeah. Feel free to remove Titania? that. Titania, isn't it Titania? Titania sounds like a stage name for a less than reputable. Never mind. Moving on. Oh goodness. <laughs> Boy, you are just on a roll today, aren't you, John? <laughs> like butter. <laughs> roll, roll butter. But okay, do we have anything else to say about the the second arc? I know yes. Okay, um, let's do it. I Okay, so I've been talking a lot about this because I absolutely love issue number nine. It is probably one of the best character handlings of a character death I've read in comics in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautifully done. You have a lot of his... It's a bit of a shame that his friends don't really get to say much 
uh, and that spotlight kind of gets taken by Thor and Captain America, who have made careers of punching Crusher Creel in the face. Um, but that, regardless, you get like that beautiful moment where Mary is just sitting at the at the grave at the park, and Black Bolt and Blinky just kind of sit there, and they all kind of hang out in the somber silence. And that issue could have ended there, and it would have been perfect. And then we get you know the other uh, Slash or whatever his name is. Um, Come in and start ruckus and kidnap Blinky. So, 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 because you know we got like three more issues to fill. I was, I was a fan of Titania, Titania, Mary becoming the new Crusher for the rest of the series. I was not a fan that within three issues Crusher Creel returned uh, from the dead. Yeah, Yeah. in a very like it's, I don't know it like his. His arc was good, and like I, it t- he took a character I didn't care about, and then you see him like redeem himself, and then he's just like back at it again. Uh, here I'm back. Hey, we can get back to doing crime as a couple, you know. I I think yeah, and I have a couple issues with it too. It's one, it happened so quickly after we've had this a whole issue dedicated to, to his death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so for it to come in so quickly and for it to just kind of be acknowledged and like let's roll with the dice here because we have, uh, like eight pages left and we got to resolve this. Uh, was not a, yeah. was not a fan of that. I wasn't a fan of how he came back. To me, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't seem in line with his powers that he's that he was in the ball and chain thing. I don't doubt. I mean, I'm not a creologist. It just seems convenient. Yes, I I I actually would not have been against Crusher coming back in like a later series or later issues i like to imagine i thought they were going to bring him back later and the way i would have done it or i thought it was going to happen was i thought the shout was still flying off in space oh gosh and and like and he like wills himself to like be a person again and he's just traveling through space as like sound personified until he like slams into the mountain of a planet with a thunderous boom or something like that's the way i would have done it that sounds cooler to me i don't know about you guys i actually would dig that yeah that yeah yeah, that's better than yeah that's better than what i just came up with was you know maybe he's in there (laughs) and titania like takes over as the you know the the crusher the absorbing man Mm -hmm. the, the absorbing oh man how can we make this the absorbing gal you know no 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 yeah. Um yeah. but and like he communicates with her and she works to get him out and then finally like comes back to Black Bolt and we get like a uh, you know like she's been working at it for some time and somehow Black Bolt has the key to like getting him all yeah. the way out because they spent time together. But I like yours where he's just like ah like out yeah, he's space. just a shout <laughs> I I that's that's what I would that's what I thought was going to happen. Marvel if you like that Hit me up. You can yeah. get in touch with yeah. me. Uh, get in contact with us at superhumanregistrationpodcast.com slash contact us. Uh, I'm awaiting your reply. <laughs> Steven, should we tell him that Marvel doesn't take unsolicited? Never mind. <laughs> no, no. In this version, Marvel comes to him. Let him have this fantasy. Let, let me. Yeah, okay. Let, yeah. Let me believe, John. <laughs> Aldo's a true believer. Yeah. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that was kind of my thing also uh yeah it's just it just was not just not a fan of that like at all here's okay i want to i want to point out first my first thought when you said this was um 
But there was that scene at the end where where Black Bolt's burning eggs and Crusher's making fun of him because he can't cook the egg. Oh, yeah. He's like, ah, you'll get it. It's fine. <laughs> and then I just realized how much better that scene would have worked if Black Bolt and Blinky had showed up at Titania's, at, at Mary's place and been like, Blinky's like, uh, Mr. Boltagon wants you to teach him how to fry an egg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how good would that have been? Oh, yeah, that would have been better, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. not to tell Saladin Ahmed how to do his job, <laughs> but, um, I w- yeah, no, I agree. It's It would have been funny, but, like, I think weird is like a, you know, hey, sorry your husband died, sorry, thanks for helping us out with that fight. Can we come cook an egg? That would have been a little weird, I think. <laughs> but as a way but, like, of, like, hanging point... out after the battle, that, like, you know... Having a cold one with the boys, that's different. <laughs> but I think, like, part of the point is, you know, Black Bolt is learning that he needs to understand people who he has, like, deemed lesser. He's not lesser, or they're not lesser than him. They're just different. And by experiencing some of the things that they experience, he can come to understand them, humble himself, and stop being a tool. Like, that was the point, right? Yeah. And so Black Bolt yeah. goes to marry the wife of like the wife of his friend and is like, in memory of your friend who is helping me to change my life even from beyond the grave, let me cook this egg. Like uh like in my mind it really works, but when I say it like that, it almost sounds like a McElroy Brothers sketch, right? <laughs> like Black Bolt shows up and he's like, I cook an egg with a spoon. <laughs> But no, I think Aldo is spot on that that Black Bolt coming back does kind of undercut some of the the good Cru- stuff. Crusher Krill first... coming back. Black yeah, Bolt never sorry. left. Sorry, Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the name of my of my debut rap album, Black Bolt Never Left. <laughs> Black Bolt again. 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 Crap. Are we ready to uh, rank this? Yeah, I don't have anything else uh, to say other than Medusa's hair looks absolutely rad in that last issue. Oh, yeah. But that is her superpower, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. It didn't look rad. It was really disappointing. Good. Yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know what it is about Marvel, but, like, I feel like I have a thing for Marvel redheads. Like, not in real life, <laughs> but, like, when they draw them, I'm just like, boy. <laughs> Medusa, Mary Jane, Rachel... Gene, uh, Hope Summers, Poison Ivy. <laughs> wait, hold on. wait, hold on, hold on. I ran out of redheads. Slip one. I was slip literally about to ask if DC had any really good redheads because I couldn't think of any offhand. Poison Ivy was a good call. Okay, and and we're committed to to doing two stories, right? Yeah. Okay, so the first story is called Hard Time. Uh, Black Bolt Hard Time. Where do we want to rank Black Bolt Hard Time? I I don't know that it's necessarily a top ten book, but it's certainly a top twenty book. I don't know that yeah. it is. I think I think just just Hard Time by itself. I think is. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. So you guys can interject opinions. Like okay, so my first thought while I was reading the book, I kept thinking I really like this book. I don't think I like it better than Karnak, which is currently at twenty four. That's about where I'd put it. It's right around Karnak. Like, this is definitely better intentioned than Karnak, but I do think Karnak is a little bit better. Um, but not much. 
I don't know that it is. I, I think, and maybe it's just because, like, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I like Black Bolt a little bit better because he, like, learns and becomes humble and he doesn't explode a man in an interrogation room. Uh, <laughs> however however well drawn that was. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, Karnak gets results. <laughs> I mean, yes, but also does he get to break out of jail with a teleporting bulldog the size of a small car? I don't know what he does on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue to put this above Karnak. That is that is where I would uh, just one above Karnak. That's I'll, I'll I would concede that much. I think I, I think this I follow. I feel like I felt followed the story in this one better than Karnak, but I was more intrigued by Karnak as a character over Black Bolt. And so that's where I'm kind of like, hmm, definitely this first half I would put above Karnak. The second one, not so much. The oh, second no, the one, second one goes lower. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I still think I would prefer Karnak, but, I mean, if I'm outvoted, like, this was a good book. So, hey, it's good. Like, it can go higher than that. That's fine. If, if, both, um, of you, if both of you feel like it's, uh, like, a below Karnak, okay, fine. No, I feel like it's it's above, and I, I would put it at, like, 22. Oh, a buff, <sighs> a would... buff in Pursuit of Flight? I just, I don't really care for In Pursuit of Flight that much. Ah, like, uh, I, bad, I, but it's you know what? I am in agreement with you. Off. Okay, it'll go there. Okay. Um, I, I, I think Beta Ray Bill is better, too, but. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. I think Beta Ray Bill should have been higher, but. <laughs> for another day. I feel like Beta Ray Bill is a top ten book, because uh, no other book says Scuttlebutt nearly as much. <laughs> One of these days, that we're going to have to go back to Simon's and Thor, I think, but. Yeah, yeah. I need the return of Scuttlebutt. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in at number uh, 22 between Runaways and In Pursuit of Flight. That is uh, Black Bolt, uh, Hard Time. <sighs> now we've got Black Bolt, Home Free is the name of the second story arc. Is that like one word or two words? Wait, two why, words. Would it be, why would it be one word? I, I'm, I'm bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where does Home Free go? I, I actually don't know. Uh, first, first comparison point that I thought of, I was actually thinking about while reading the first part of Black Bolt reminded me a lot of the galaxy's best detective, the, the Drax story. Well, I, I, I think that that area is closer. I would put it down a little more. I would put it, um, after Rogan Gambit or above Rogan, Rogan Gambit around there. Actually, you know what? I think I, uh, I think I like it more than Moon Knight now that I'm, now that I'm looking at this. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is the right area, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I could get behind... I think I think Thor's Battle World is better. Easy. Like, that's a, that's a slam dunk. That's um, 42, and Moon Knight's 43, Rogue and Gambit 44. Just, not everyone is looking at our list as we debate this. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you no, could. That's good. You could. <laughs> on the website for you. It's technically there. Here's the thing, too, that, uh that I have a hard time with with this book. Uh and one it's I think I think for me what carries a lot of this book is that issue, that issue number 9 cuz I think it's absolutely well done. Uh how however, I think the two major faults of this book are one, the ending and how rushed it is. And if we're judging this as a book just by itself, if I was to go pick up, I don't know why, but if I was to go pick up issue book two of of uh, Black Bolt, uh-huh. it doesn't do a whole lot to really catch you up with what's happened. So if you're thinking of this book as an individual story by itself without any other context, I don't know how well it stands. Mm. And I know that we've judged a lot of books 
on that premise, uh, which That's is true. Which is part of why the thunder in her veins is down here so low. Yeah, and I guess like issue nine doesn't really work as well without issue four, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, all that um, to say is I'm in agreement with your guys' uh, rating so far, but uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit lower. <laughs> like, I would put this maybe above, like, the, what was the good old days? I don't even remember that much. That's the... Daredevil versus She-Hulk? Is that oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, like the, the, the lawyer one. That was a good one. That's the that's, thing. Why is, is that like... so low? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's in the it's in the must-read list, right? Everything above Star Wars A New Hope manga is the must-read list. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I think this goes at number 49 between Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and Secret Wars. Because I think Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is better. Yeah, I, I was yeah. actually looking at that list because yeah. uh, Rogan Gambit, pretty good. Killer Instinct. Pretty good. Yeah, these are fun. These are fun stories. Blind spot, not fun, but good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah. Uh, good, good old days, days yeah. is fun. I actually think that one's really fun. And yeah, no, I, I would put it just above Secret Wars because it was more fun. Yeah. Than than Secret Wars. Yeah. Okay. And it has it. you know, the two main people in this book are in that book too. Yeah, true. As is the fault of many books that are on this list. Not enough lockjaw, but can't have <laughs> I mean, Not every book yeah, can be a winner. Boy. So we got we got more discussion out of that story than I think any of us really expected to. Yeah, because it was pretty much like, yeah, like it, it's good, yeah, okay. We actually had stuff to say about it. It wasn't just, yeah, it was good, but it was like, yeah, it was good. And it made me think. And you know, isn't thinking important? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> our next uh, couple of stories are gonna make us think um these are uh, it's two stories that i've never read before pretty pretty excited pretty curious about it uh we're gonna have a noir double feature actually i be, before you continue on that did any of us double check to make sure that we're all on the app oh yeah I, I've okay checked. good because <laughs> so, so. i didn't i just assumed <laughs> Yeah, and I'm actually surprised because uh, X-Men Noir has a parental advisory on it. Uh, I just I just spoiled it. We're going to be reading X-Men Noir and Spider-Man Noir. Is it because they're smoking? Why would there be a... Yeah. Well, Noir stories tend to be fairly hard-boiled. I don't know. Yeah. Have, you, like, have you guys ever actually read any Noir <laughs> fiction? No, I've read, read comics no. that are like, watch noir movies. Yeah, but... Like Sin City. Yeah, Sin City's more of a Noir-inspired... Uh, yeah, to illustrate my point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> I mean, I saw the spirit. <laughs> that movie is so weird. <laughs> I just... Everything Samuel, everything Samuel Jackson says is terrific in that movie. When he's like looking at the, the foot that just keeps hopping and he's like, that's just so damn weird. Just, <laughs> that, that made it worth it. You know. But uh, but yeah. So and so the noir books they were a thing. How uh, what do I want to say? Like two thousand six ish was when they came out with these and X Men. The whole premise on these was like recontextualizing them to like noir books. So like they both yeah. take place. I think during like depression era. Spider Man is interesting because I mean we've all seen Spider Verse. Um, except <laughs> except in that movie he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't use a gun in that in that movie, but he doesn't. He shoots people, <laughs> and uh. X-Men Noir, part of the premise, and that's all I'll say, is that it recontextualizes their powers to be not 
powers. Uh, they're like a they're like an Ocean's Eleven. They're a group of thieves, I tell you. Oh man, get ready <laughs> for that. Get ready for a like whole hour podcast of me talking. Oh like, yeah, talking like that. Say. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. This going like Gonna be a lot of moxie next time. Yeah. Is it too late to read more of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane? Hey, hey. It's <laughs> pretty bold words from someone I can drive over and slap. <laughs> no, you can't. Social distancing. Swear your gloves and a, and a mask, John. You'll be fine. <laughs> you can slap people with a glove. That's a whole Simpsons episode. <laughs> Hard boys. Real biscuit boxers. 